Chapter fifty seven of Is He Pope and Joy? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barry O'Neill. Is He Pope and Joy by Anthony Trollope. Chapter fifty seven. Mr. Knox hears again from the Marquis. Do come, papa, said Mary, jumping up and putting her arms around her father's shoulders. She was more than willing to meet them all halfway. She would sit in the armchair all morning and try to drink porter at lunch if they would receive her father graciously. Of course she was bound to her husband. She did not wish not to be bound to him. She was quite sure that she loved her husband with a perfect love. But her marriage happiness could not be complete unless her father was to make a part of the intimate home circle of her life. She was now so animated in her request to him that her manner told all her little story, not only to him, but to Lady Sarah also. "'I will say do come also,' said Lady Sarah, smiling. Mary looked up at her and saw the smile. "'If he were your papa,' she said, "'you would be as anxious as I am.' But she also smiled as she spoke. "'Even though he is not, I am anxious.' "'Who could refuse when so entreated?' of course i shall be delighted to come said the dean and so it was settled her father was to be again made welcome at manor cross and mary thought that she could now be happy it was very good of you she whispered to lady sarah as soon as he had left them of course i understand i was very very sorry that he and lord brotherton had quarrelled i won't say anything now about anybody being wrong or anybody being right but it would be dreadful to me if papa couldn't come to see me I don't think you know what he is. I do know that you love him very dearly. Of course I do. There is nothing on earth he wouldn't do for me. He is always trying to make me happy, and he'd do just as much for George if George would let him. You've been very good about it, and I love you for it. Lady Sarah was quite open to the charm of being loved. She did not talk much of such things, nor was it compatible with her nature to make many professions of affection, but it would be a happiness to her if this young sister-in-law, who would, no doubt, sooner or later be the female head of the house, could be taught to love her. So she kissed Mary, and then walked demurely away, conscious that any great display of feeling would be antagonistic to her principles. During the hour that Mary had been closeted with her father, there had been very much difficulty among the ladies upstairs about the dean. The suggestion that he should be asked to dine had of course come from Lady Sarah, and it fell like a little thunderbolt among them. In the first place, what would Brotherton say? Was it not an understood portion of the agreement under which they were allowed to live in the house that the dean should not be a guest there? Lady Susanna had even shuddered at his coming to call in his daughter, and they had all thought it to be improper, when a short time since he had personally brought the news of Pope and Joy's death to the house. And then there was their own resentment as to that affray at Scumberg's. They were probably inclined to agree with Lady Brabazon that Brotherton was not quite all that he should be, but still he was Brotherton, and the man who had nearly murdered him could not surely be a fit guest at Manor Cross. I don't think we can do that, Sarah, Lady Susanna had said, after a long silence. Oh, dear, that would be very dreadful, the Marchioness had exclaimed. Lady Amelia had clasped her hands together and had trembled in every limb. 
but lady sarah who never made any suggestion without deep thought was always loath to abandon any that she had made she clung to this with many arguments seeing how unreasonable brotherton was they could not feel themselves bound to obey him as to the house while their mother lived there it must be regarded as her house it was out of the question that they should have their guests dictated to them by their brother perhaps the dean was not all that a dean ought to be but then who was perfect george had married his daughter and it could not be right to separate the daughter from the father then came the final strong clenching argument mary would certainly be disturbed in her mind if not allowed to see her father perfect tranquillity for mary was regarded as the chief ingredient in the cup of prosperity which after many troubles was now to be rebrewed for the germain family if she were not allowed to see her father the coming popenjoy would suffer for it you'd better let him come susanna said the marchioness through her tears susanna had looked as stern as an old sibyl i really think it will be best said lady amelia it ought to be done said lady sarah i suppose you had better go to him said the marchioness i could not see him indeed i couldn't but he won't want to see me lady susanna did not yield but lady sarah as we know went down on her mission of peace mary as soon as she was alone sat herself down to write a letter to her husband it was then monday and her father was to dine there on thursday the triumph would hardly be complete unless george would come home to receive him her letter was full of arguments full of entreaties and full of love surely he might come for one night if he couldn't stay longer it would be so much nicer for her father to have a gentleman there such an attention would please him so much i am sure he would go twice the distance if you were coming to his house pleaded mary lord george came and in a quiet way the dinner was a success the dean made himself very agreeable the marchioness did not appear but her absence was attributed to the condition of her health lady sarah as the great promoter of the festival was bound to be on her good behaviour and lady amelia endeavoured to copy her elder sister it was not to be expected that lady susanna should be cordially hospitable but it was known that lady susanna was habitually silent in company mary could forgive her second sister-in-law's sullenness understanding as she did quite well that she was at this moment triumphing over lady susanna mr groschut was not a favourite with any of the party at manor cross and the dean made himself pleasant by describing the nature of the late chaplain's promotion he begged the bishop to let him off said the dean but his lordship was peremptory it was pugsty or leave the diocese what had he done papa asked mary he had promised to marry hawkins's daughter hawkins was the brotherton bookseller on the low church side and then he denied the promise unfortunately he had written letters and hawkins took them to the bishop i should have thought groschet would have been too sharp to write letters but what was all that to the bishop asked lord george the bishop was i think just a little tired of him the bishop is old and meek and mr groschet thought that he could domineer he did not quite know his man the bishop is old and meek and would have borne much when mr groschet scolded him i fancy he said nothing but he bided his time and when mr hawkins came then there was a decision pronounced it was pugsty or nothing is pugsty very nasty papa 
it isn't very nice i fancy it just borders on the potteries and the population is heavy as he must marry the bookseller's daughter also the union i fear won't be very grateful i don't see why a bishop should send a bad man to any parish suggested lady sarah what is he to do with a groshut when he has unfortunately got hold of one he couldn't be turned out to starve the bishop would never have been rid of him a small living some such as pugsty was almost a necessity but the people said lady sarah what is to become of the poor people let us hope they may like him at any rate he will be better at pugsty than at brotherton in this way the evening passed off and when at ten o'clock the dean took his departure it was felt by every one except lady susanna that the proper thing had been done lord george having thus come back to manor cross remained there he was not altogether happy in his mind but his banishment seemed to be so absurd a thing that he did not return to london at manor cross there was something for him to do in london there was nothing and after all there was a question whether as a pure matter of right the marquis had the power to pronounce such a sentence manor cross no doubt belonged to him but then so also did cross hall belong for the time to his mother and he was receiving the rent of cross hall while his mother was living at manor cross lady sarah was quite clear that for the present they were justified in regarding manor cross as belonging to them and who'll tell him when he's all the way out there asked mary i never did hear of such a thing in all my life what harm can you do to the house george so they went on in peace and quietness for the next three months during which not a single word was heard from the marquis they did not even know where he was and under the present circumstances did not care to ask any questions of mr knox lord george had worn out his scruples and was able to go about his old duties in his old fashion the dean had dined there once or twice and lord george on one occasion had consented to stay with his wife for a night or two at the deanery things seemed to have fallen back quietly to the old way as they were before the marquis with his wife and child had come to disturb them of course there was a great difference in mary's position it was not only that she was about to become a mother but that she would do so in a very peculiar manner had not the marquis taken a wife to himself there would always have been the probability that he would some day do so had not there been an italian marchioness and a little italian popenjoy the ladies at manor cross would still have given him credit for presenting them with a future marchioness and a future popenjoy at some future day now his turn had as it were gone another popenjoy from that side was not to be expected in consequence of all this mary was very much exalted they none of them now wished for another popenjoy from the elder branch all their hopes were centred on mary to mary herself this importance had its drawbacks there was the great porter question still unsettled the armchair with the footstool still was there and she did not like being told that a mile and a half on the sunny side of the trees was the daily amount of exercise which sir henry nearly half a century ago had prescribed for ladies in her condition but she had her husband with her and could with him be gently rebellious and affectionately disobedient it is a great thing at any rate to be somebody in her early married days she had felt herself to be snubbed as being merely the dean's daughter her present troubles brought a certain balm with them no one snubbed her now 
if she had a mind for arrowroot mrs toff would make it herself and suggest a thimbleful of brandy in it with her most coaxing words cloaks and petticoats she never saw and she was quite at liberty to stay away from afternoon church if she pleased it had been decided after many discussions on the subject that she and her husband should go up to town for a couple of months after christmas lady amelia going with them to look after the porter and arrowroot and then in march she should be brought back to manor cross with a view to her confinement this had not been conceded to her easily but it had at last been conceded she had learned in secret from her father that he would come up to town for a part of the time and after that she never let the question rest till she had carried her point the marchioness had been obliged to confess that in anticipation of her popenjoy sir henry had recommended a change from country to town she did not probably remember that sir henry had done so because she had been very cross at the idea of being kept running down to the country all through may mary pleaded that it was no use having a house if she were not allowed to see it that all her things were in london and at last declared that it would be very convenient to have the baby born in london then the marchioness saw that a compromise was necessary it was not to be endured that the future popenjoy the future brotherton should be born in a little house in munster court with many misgivings it was at last arranged that mary should go to london on the eighteenth of january and be brought back on the tenth of march after many consultations computations and calculations it was considered that the baby would be born somewhere about the first of april it may be said that things at manor cross were quite in a halcyon condition when suddenly a thunderbolt fell among them mr knox appeared one day at the house and showed to lord george a letter from the marquis it was written with his usual contempt of all ordinary courtesy of correspondence but with more than his usual bitterness it declared the writer's opinion that his brother was a mean fellow and deserving of no trust in that he had continued to live at the house after having been desired to leave it by its owner and it went on to give peremptory orders to mr knox to take steps for letting the house at once this took place at the end of the first week in december then there was a postscript to the letter in which the marquis suggested that mr knox had better take a house for the marchioness and apply mr price's rent in the payment for such house of course you will consult my mother said the postscript but it should not be anywhere near brotherton there was an impudence as well as a cruelty about this which almost shook the belief which lord george still held in the position of an elder brother mr knox was to take a house as though his mother and sisters had no rights no freedom of their own of course i will go said he almost pale with anger then mr knox explained his views it was his intention to write back to the marquis and to decline to execute the task imposed upon him the care of the marquis's property was no doubt his chief mainstay but there were things he said which he could not do of course the marquis would employ somebody else and he must look for his bread elsewhere but he could not he said bring himself to take steps for the letting of manor cross as long as the marchioness was living there of course there was a terrible disturbance in the house there arose a great question whether the old lady should or should not be told of this new trouble 
and it was decided at last that she should for the present be kept in the dark mr knox was of opinion that the house would never be let and it would not be in his lordship's power to turn them out without procuring for them the use of cross hall in which mr price's newly married bride had made herself comfortable on a lease of three years and he was also of opinion that the attempt made by the marquis to banish his brother was a piece of monstrous tyranny to which no attention should be paid this he said before all the younger ladies but to lord george himself he said even more he expressed a doubt whether the marquis could be in his right mind and added a whisper that the accounts of the marquis's health were very bad indeed of course he could let the house asked lord george yes if he can get anybody to let it for him and anybody else to take it but i don't think it ever will be let he won't quite know what to do when he gets my letter he can hardly change his agent without coming to london and he won't like to do that in the winter he'll write me a very savage letter and then in a week or two i shall answer him i don't think i disturbed the marchioness if i were you my lord the marchioness was not disturbed but lord george again went up to london on this occasion occupying the house in munster court in solitude his scruples were all renewed and it was in vain that lady sarah repeated to him all mr knox's arguments he had been called a mean fellow and the word rankled with him he walked about alone thinking of the absolute obedience with which in early days he had complied with all the behests of his elder brother and the perfect faith which in latter days he had regarded that brother's interests he went away swearing to himself that he would never again put his foot within the domain of manor cross as long as it was his brother's property a day might come when he would return there but lord george was not a man to anticipate his own prosperity mary wished to accompany him but this was not allowed the marchioness inquired a dozen times why he should go away but there was no one who could tell her End of chapter fifty seven